The following podcast contains adult language. It is not an in-depth investigation. It is simply commentary and reaction to the facts as presented by OSHA and media outlets. If you are prone to taking offense... Bad shit happens to everyone. Just get over it. to employee number one, the Industrial Accident Podcast. I'm Frank Bacon. I'm joined by my co-hosts, Bud, Bud Tucker, Billy Batts. Bud, Billy, thanks for joining us. Thank you. You're welcome, Frank. Before we discuss a story or two about what happened to employee number one, let's roll out with a panel discussion. Oh, hey, speaking of rock and roll, remember when MTV used to play music? Ah, uh, the good old days. Yeah. That was a little bit before my time. Yeah, that was uh, back in the early 80s, and that's about when that whole second British invasion kicked in. Was the first British invasion the War of 1812? No, we're talking about the music invasion, you turd ball, like the Who and the Beatles and all that stuff. But the second British invasion, bands like The Police. What's your favorite Police song, Billy? Synchronicity 2, but Synchronicity 1 is a close second. Roxanne. You know what? That's the one that I really don't like. Really? But that's just because of... Uh... I like it because of 48 Hours, so... Yeah. That's your favorite police song, Roxanne? Yeah, I'm not a big fan. All right. What about, uh, ooh, Duran Duran? I know you're a big Duran Duran fan. Absolutely not. <laughs> now, if Bud Pud Duggan had to go into a music store and buy a Duran Duran album, what song would Bud look for? Uh, her name is Rio. Okay, Rio. So. Oh, it isn't like her name is Rio, it's Rio? It's just Rio. So the oh, Rio my bad. And it's actually on the album Rio. That's a good album. Yeah. The cover art is quintessential 1980s. Is that the one when they were on the boat from the video? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Woo! Yay! You don't like pink neckties and shit? <clears throat> Not my thing there, uh, Frank. But what about the Pretenders? They were... Yeah. Not much to say about the Pretenders. Oh, come on. Chrissy Hines shaking her ass up there on MTV. That was big time, man. She's come pretty... She's you want to talk about pud tucking. Yeah. And she's an American. But yeah. that was a British band. Absolutely. Strange. Yeah, I have a family member who was fascinated with Chrissy Hind. He always wanted to meet an older woman like her and have her show him the ropes. I mean, you got I, I was right there with him then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was like uh, uh, Billy Idol. Billy Idol was big then. Oh, yeah. Punk Rock Elvis. Punk Rock Elvis with the sneer and the fake kung fu chops and all that shit. Yeah. He has some good songs, but he was strange. I didn't like him then, but I like him now. I like looking back on it now. Blue Highway, that's a good song. Never heard it. Hot in the City. I like his kind of his slower shit. I didn't like his aggressive. Uh, Dancing with Myself. Yeah, White Wedding. You didn't like the Rebel Yell? No, I didn't like the Rebel Yell. No. So you don't want no, more, 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 more. No, more, 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 more. There were also some different angry little British guys, uh, different than Billy Idol. Elvis Costello, Joe Jackson. They had some early hits back then. It's weird that they'd be on uh, MTV, though. Well, it was that whole British second invasion was like the beginning of New Wave. That's true. That's what that shit was all about. Oh, we can't forget Def Leppard. We can. 
We can. We can forget Def Leppard. Doesn't the drummer only have like one arm? Well, he does now. Now, not then. Yeah. I mean, that was. Jeez, what would have that been? That would have been uh, their second album or something, right? When the MTV hit big. Well, they, Pyromania, uh, that was the album, yeah. That was the big breakthrough. I think that yeah. was number two. They had that... High that? and Dry and High Into and the dry, Night. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Into the Night was the first one, right? Yeah. So Pyromania would have been number three. And right. Hysteria. Yeah, that was after that was after the drummer lost his yeah. arm. Yeah, that's good all... And all their synthesized drum garbage. Yeah, a lot of dry humping of that album. Yeah. Not Ooh. each other, though. Iron Maiden. Fuck Iron yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, you Hell guys yeah. both dig Iron Maiden. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But you, if you wanted to see Iron Maiden on MTV, it wasn't in the every hour rotation, pink tie dancing around on a boat fucking type shit. You had to be <laughs> a real fan, man. You had to hang out. You had to wait up till after hours to see that shit. Headbangers oh, ball. Yeah, was that the one with Matt Pinfield? Yeah. The guy you, that looked like Butterbean? Yeah, you had, to, you had to fucking, you had to be ready to stay up. Have the BCR ready to push record when it came on, so you could record it. Seeing Eddie was fucking incredible. What man. songs were they playing on MTV? Post Killers, because obviously you know Dickinson and stuff, but still, Run to the Hills. They have a video for that. I don't exactly remember the exact videos. They had a Trooper, the Trooper. Did they? Right, yeah. Yeah, that's but the only I, video I've watched of theirs. Yeah, crazy. I think one of the coolest ass-shaking songs from that era actually came from a band that was part of the first British invasion, the Rolling Stones. The song I'm talking about was so fucking good that the riff got ripped off by another British band later in the 1980s. You know that song by the cult, Love Removal Machine? Yeah. I'm not familiar with that song, no. That's I think a, you'd like it. That fucking riff is a direct rip-off. They totally stole it from Start Me Up by the Rolling Stones. Blatant ripoff. I love that song, Start Me Up. Did you, either of you guys ever get revved up to Start Me Up? I don't. I can't no. say if I have, no. No, but I've jammed out to it a couple of times. You've jammed out to it? You know who did get revved up to Start Me Up? The employee number one. Watsonville, California. At 11.50 a.m. on January 23rd, 2021. Ooh, this is too recent. Maybe we'll get a spanking. An employee climbed into a Besser Model EM10 Zero concrete mixer to clean the machine. While the employee was inside the mixer, it restarted slash cycled. The machine's safety system had been bypassed, which allowed the machine to turn on when the door to the mixer was in the open position. Oh boy. Employee number one was struck by the blades and the interior of the mixer, killing him. I've got a little research here. Uh, we're going to pull up a picture of some similar equipment, and I'll have you kind gentlemen describe it to the listener. This is not like a mixer, like a concrete truck. This is a 12 cubic yard stationary concrete mixer. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think that, that fucking thing is well qualified to do a number on your ass. Man. Yeah. Uh, it's got a capacity of 40,000 pounds. It's got two 100 horsepower motors. The shaft blade spins at 15.7 revolutions per minute. So that's kind of a slow fucking yeah. motor go. Yeah, so it's like a slow crushing. Yeah. Uh, it's driven by a belt and a chain. So the width of this is 8 feet 9 inches. It's 7.5 feet tall and 21 feet long. Wow. 
That's a large concrete mixing machine. That's a large concrete mixer. Just the mixer itself weighs 45,000 pounds. Fuck. So it looks like a giant... Tube of death. Yeah, a giant yellow tube, tube of death with a black on both sides. Yeah. According to the manufacturer, its specially designed spiral blades and figure eight mixing action assure consistent and complete mixing every batch. It's also a sure and complete death every batch. If used incorrectly. As commonly done by employee number one. So in this particular situation, when employee number one went swimming in the concrete mixer, there were initial and current penalties assessed at the same amount. Billy, what do you think employee number one's life was worth in this particular situation? $8,000. $8,000, Billy Bats. I'm going low. Bud? $10,000. dollars for Bud. The initial and current penalty assessed to the company that owned the equipment, $13,494. Still way under the amount. Yeah. Yeah, pretty low for... But, you know, the safeties had been bypassed and everything also along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. We don't know if the guy that fell in is the one that did it or not, but it's a bad thing when you're cleaning shit and it turns itself on. Corpus Christi, Texas. At 4.45 p.m. on November 16, 2020, employee number one was working to dislodge a wire cage on a piece of machinery. Now, I did a little bit of research on this. This is a company that makes reinforced concrete pipe. So the metal cage that he was trying to budge loose was probably the wire lattice that they actually mold the concrete around to give it strength. All right. Yeah. So um, employee number one, who was the operator of the machine, entered the hazard area to dislodge a wire cage, which again is just this big fancy rebar thing that gives the concrete its strength. Employee number one asked a coworker to push a button on the console intended to open the clamps but the feed wheel started to move rather than the clamps opening. The employee was killed by internal injuries and asphyxia when his upper body was pinned between the main drive wheel and the feed drive wheel. The manufacturer's instructions are to turn the key to the right and put it in maintenance mode and to remove and keep the key with the operator while the operator is in the hazard area, thus ensuring proper lockout. Employee number one and coworker number one spoke only Spanish they were not provided a Spanish language operator's manual, and all of the buttons on the machine are in English. That sounds like poor company. Yeah, that's policy. a shitty policy. I'm gonna go with yeah. Billy on this one. If you're gonna hire people that don't speak the main language, make sure there's proper safety information in the language of the. People. Yeah, I mean, you can. It doesn't say if there was any training, but if there was any training, they certainly weren't following it, and they certainly didn't follow any proper lockout tagout procedure. Yeah, so it's mostly the company's fault, so I think they're going to get hit a little bit harder than some of the other cases. Do you want to guess what the penalty was for the employer in this particular situation? We'll go to Bud first. $25,000. $25,000. Maybe a little bit less with $20,000. $20,000. In this particular situation, the fines have been assessed, but they have been contested, and the initial and current penalty remain at $27,306. Still way, way too little. And why would they contest it if it's obviously the fault of the company? You would never admit guilt. What do you say when you get in a wreck? Oh, I'm sorry. 
then you get your fucking tit in a legal ringer. You never discuss guilt. I don't say that when I get in a wreck. I say, what the fuck was that? Deny, uh, deny, deny. <laughs> Fifth Amendment, folks. Watch The Godfather. One, two, three, four, fifth. Chandler, Arizona. At 11.52 p.m. on April 9, 2019, an employee was working for a firm that manufactures nutritional supplements. She operated a filler machine in facility room 120. She ran various products as needed. She was using a vacuum to perform a light cleaning of the filler machine to remove excess product from the chain conveyor table. She applied pressure with the vacuum and unintentionally knocked the conveyor chain off its sprocket. The machine was still running. She attempted to replace the chain on the sprocket when the machine powered up and there were no lockout tagout applied. Her fingers became caught and three fingertips were amputated. She was hospitalized. During interviews with workers and management, it was established that workers performed a service cleaning of the filler machine between runs of similar types of batch products while it was still energized. The program did not address service cleaning on energized equipment or machinery. Employee 1, who was the machine operator, participated in an interview. She stated that the machine was not isolated during a light cleaning service. I think that's pretty much what the rest of the fucking report already yeah, said. Yeah, we covered that yeah. extensively. The firm's maintenance equipment manager participated in an interview. He stated that the company did have a lockout tagout program. Training was conducted within the company in a classroom setting only. All employees received training on what the lockout program was and how it was to be used. He stated that the filler machine was isolated only during deep cleaning, during which the machine was taken apart and serviced. During a light cleaning, the machine was not isolated, obviously for the third fucking time. Yeah, it seems to be pretty redundant at this point. Yeah. Employee number one lived. Obviously, she's... Uh, she's not going to play violin mittens. anymore. She's going to be wearing mittens instead of gloves this ski season. Initial and current penalty are the same. We're going to go to Billy Bats. What do you think the fines and the penalties to the employer were on this situation? They made it very clear that it wasn't isolated during this type of uh, thing. So... <laughs> That may weigh in on the... Uh... But the company didn't have a policy. There was no policy violations here. The company had no policy for the cleaning. The company did have a lockout-tagout program. Only for deep cleaning. Though. Only for yeah. deep cleaning. Yeah, no, no. $500. $500. Mm -hmm. Bud, what say you? 1500 1500 The penalties were issued in the amount of $2,500. Wow. I don't know what that works out to be per finger, but... So some people oh, die at some jobs, and they're passed off with a couple hundred bucks. This lady loses a couple fingers and can't play uh, the piano anymore, and she's 2000 She about. didn't get 2000 The company well, got fined I mean, 2000 They were yeah. fined 2000 Yeah. Well, everything discussed in this uh, fine program you're listening to pertains to penalties assessed to the company owners. We don't discuss or have any inkling as far as whatever private settlements or civil penalties there were. Good point, Frank. I do what I can. Again in Arizona, Tucson this time. At approximately 9.09 a.m. on July 12, 2005, employee number one with a plating company was changing an aerator head for a 30-inch by 30-inch by 6-foot high dip tank 
that contained approximately 250 gallons of a chemical called Pavchrome High Pro Blue solution. While employee number one leaned over the tank, the hangar conveyor cycled, causing the hangar arm assembly to descend. Employee, no yeah. employee number one became pinned between the hangar and the inner wall of the tank. After hearing employee number one scream, a coworker ran to the control panel and cycled the arm back to the raised position. Quick thinking, right? Yeah. Employee number one then fell head first into the tank. The coworker and another employee climbed onto the catwalk, pulled employee number one from the tank, and placed him on the catwalk. Two additional employees then assisted in transferring employee number one to the shop floor. Emergency responders decontaminated employee number one and the four other employees. Employee number one was transported to a medical center with spinal and chest injuries and chemical burns to over 75% of his body. He died from his injuries later that day. Was the, it the chemicals that got him or the uh, crushing that got him? I think it was a little bit of everything. The other employees were examined at the scene by paramedics and released. So, in this particular situation where machines turn themselves on for no apparent reason, there was an initial penalty assessed and the current penalty was reduced. Anybody want to dip their toe in that? I'd assume that since it's like toxic chemicals, the fines would be a little bit higher. And the fact that it's crushing on top of that, it's going to go about $50,000. $50,000. The initial penalty assessed to the company, $19,000. Wow, I was off. It has been reduced and the current penalty is $15,500. Good job, bud. Thank you, Billy. That's a situation like somebody pushes somebody out of the way of a car that's about to hit them and then they fall into a storm drain and break their neck. Yeah, it's just another one of those meant-to-die type of yeah, things. They thought they saved him. Their quick action. I mean, it's better than just leaving him there to be crushed to death. Yeah. At least he somewhat had a chance. Yeah, absolutely. You have to do what you can in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> no winners. Everybody's a loser in that deal. Yeah. Waterloo, Iowa. At 3 o'clock p.m. on December 14th, 2020, an employee was attempting to unclog a Kuhn Knight 8141 manure spreader equipped with a 20-ton hopper and twin auger. For the purpose of this discussion, we've done a little research. I'm going to have the gentleman look at these photographs and see what they can describe to you, dear listener, what a fucking Kuhn Knight manure spreader looks like. It looks like an open top trailer, a white open top trailer with uh, two augers at the bottom and then a third auger underneath that with uh, little spiky things on it. And then the gearbox, it looks like a toe pincher coffin, which is... Yeah, I'd hope there'd be a cover on that. Yeah. yeah. So, a little bit of foreshadowing there, I think. Looks like it hauls a ton of shit, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and this is the business end. After the two augers pull the manure in... The third auger apparently chops it up. There is a fourth rotating piece at the bottom of the hopper that looks like it has swiveled weights that spin around at a high rate of speed and actually fling the manure out of the bottom of the hopper at high speed. All I gotta say is if it has three augers, it's gonna be some tough shit. Yeah. Employee number one did not disconnect the equipment from its power source or attempt to shut it down prior to attempting unclogging. The employee was caught by the augers and was pulled into the manure spreader, 
causing massive trauma and killing him. Shitty. That's a bad way to go. That guy was flung all over. He was not just outstanding in his field. He was scattered all over his field. Now, I've never worked in this line of work or anything, but I would imagine if the auger got stuck or anything, it would grab the large stick that I was poking at the doo-doo with long yeah. before it would ever grab any part of me digging around in the doo-doo for yeah. any reason at all. Yeah, it would grab like this? a shovel handle. It would, Yeah, at some point, this dude's playing in the fucking shit with his hands. Yeah. That's nasty. And what do you like? Turn it off, then try and munch it up a little bit with a shovel or stick, then turn it back on, see if that cleared it. Because you don't want to burn up the motor. I, I don't know. This is outside my scope of. Uh... Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, from the sounds of it, this dude was flat out just digging in the doo doo. Yeah, that's terrible. This was at a dairy, cattle, and milk production facility, and the employer was assessed a penalty. Anybody care to? decide how shitty this penalty might have been. I'll go first if you don't mind, Billy. Go ahead. Thank you. $14,000. 14000 says Bud. 14000 to fall in a turd muncher and get scattered throughout the North 40. $9,000. $9,000. In this situation, employee number one's life was worth $2,005. Oh, shit. You yes. get another case. You set a mouthful. Yeah. Shitty on top of shitty. Taunton, Massachusetts. Sometime before 4.31 a.m. on December 16, 2011, employee number one was working at a food company. Workers at this facility made hummus and packaged various food products. Employee number one was employed by a temporary agency. Oh, Jesus. He had been working on site on the sanitation crew for over one year. He was supervised by the host employer. He was cleaning and sanitizing the pump feeder skid machine. According to the OSHA notes, apparently sanitizing is a step beyond cleaning. This machine has two rotating augers and it was involved in hummus production. Employee number one was apparently cleaning the machine. He got caught by the machine, and he was pulled and crushed between the machine's two rotating augers. Excuse me, Frank. Maybe I could interrupt you here yes. for a moment. Could we maybe explain what hummus is exactly? I believe it's one of those hippie foods. I never eat it. It's like ground chickpeas. Isn't it like some kind of a bean dip? You yeah, I think it's like some Middle Eastern chip dipping thing. Have you had hummus before? I have not, no. That's why I was asking for the clarification. I'd have, to, I'd have to assume it's pretty thick if you need two augers to... Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what kind of pressure it takes to grind up a chickpea, but that's some serious shit. Yeah. When employee number one was removed from the machine, he still had a pulse. He did not survive his injuries for long, and he was pronounced dead at the hospital. A comprehensive inspection was conducted. The investigation revealed that the machine was not locked out. The employee had not been instructed to de-energize the machine before cleaning it. As well, the employer had not developed or implemented lockout-tagout procedures for the sanitation crew. Finally, the floor drains were not adequate, and the floor was covered with a slippery mix of water, chickpea paste, and employee number one. Uh-huh. Citations related to the fatality were issued for 1. A lack of adequate drainage 2. A lack of lockout-tagout procedures and three, a lack of lockout tagout training for the sanitization crew. Refresh my memory. What year was this, Frank? This was 2011. 20, 
fuck that company, man. Everybody's sort of lockout, tag out by then. Yes, yeah. I think you'll be surprised to know that, well, you can probably see where you're sitting. The Does he, does he accounts of violations? Yes. And the, yeah, there's a page and a half of shit there. There are serious and willful as well as repeat violations for this company, which factored into the penalties assessed. So did any of the penalties go to the uh, sub-company, or were they all to the parent company that hired them? This is what the parent company had to pay to the government in penalties and fines. This is a penalty. This is not a payment to make anybody whole. This is just getting your pee-pee slapped by uh, Uncle Sam. Well, Daddy Government needs his uh, paycheck, doesn't he? Yeah. I don't even know if I want to have you guys guess on this. I, I bet you it's huge. Look at all those. That's got to be huge. I'd hope for over 100000 Oh, I bet you it's way beyond that. The initial penalty assessed to the company, $702,300. I hope they went bankrupt. Almost three quarters of a million dollars. The current penalty has been reduced to $540,000. So of all, of all the gruesome things we've discussed here, we're finally in the half million dollar range for the value of human life. Yes. And it took multiple offenses and a death. There are 18 violation items on this report. Fuck that company. They have no lockout tagout procedure. I mean, yeah. that's just fucking asinine. Well, like I said, I hope, I hope they went bankrupt. Well, I bet they have a lockout tagout procedure now. With any luck at all, that company's fucking broke. I bankrupt and done. And <laughs> they took their fucking hummus with them. Don't eat hummus, kids. It kills people. Santa Fe Springs, California. At approximately 3.30 p.m. on October 10th, 2012, employee number one, a machinist, was adjusting the coolant nozzle on a King vertical turning lathe. The serial number was 3455, lot number 479, if anybody's keeping score at home. Employee number one began work around 6 o'clock a.m. and went directly to the vertical turning lathe, which he normally would operate. At around 2.15 p.m., employee number one noticed the coolant hose nozzle needed adjusting. He reached across the table of the lathe to move the nozzle when his stomach contacted the lathe machine's moving table. The machine was not locked out, tagged out, or de-energized to conduct the adjustment work. The moving table of the lathe trapped and pinned his legs between the table and the frame of the lathe. The compressive force of the lathe machine fractured the femur bone in each leg. I've heard the femur is like the most painful bone to break. He did it twice. Yeah. And I gotta say, the lathe is terrifying me. Yeah, it's it's horrifying to be standing there with something spinning. That fast. 14,000 RPM. And the fact he was just like, just lean over it. Fucking dumb move. His supervisor, who was operating a lathe approximately 30 feet away, heard him call. The fire department was summoned. They arrived and extricated him from the lathe. Oh, my God. Jesus, that means he was trapped in there that whole fucking yeah, time until I, the fire department got there. If I live to be 200 years old, I hope I'm never extricated from something. Employee number one was transported to a medical center where he was hospitalized for one month with bilateral femur fractures in both legs. We've got some penalties assessed to the employer here. I'm going to go first to Bud. What do you think the initial penalty was, and do you think it was reduced? I, I'm almost positive it was reduced. And along the lines, I do not believe this was an employer incident. 
whatsoever. I don't, I don't think the employer is too much at fault in this scenario. It seems that this guy was reaching across the machine, moving, and I, I believe the employee is more at fault than the employer in this one. I hate to take that stand, especially in this podcast, but I honestly believe that that is the truth. So I'm going to go very low on this one, $5,000. $5,000. Yes, sir. Sorry for the long explanation. No problem. I enjoyed every second of it. It was almost like getting my fucking femurs broken. Yeah, I think I'm with you on this one. It's almost entirely the employee's fault. So I'm going to go low to about 3000 All right. The initial penalty assessed to the employer, $21,485. Wow. There was a formal settlement, and the current penalty has been reduced to $11,120. Wow. Wow. A lot. It is, it is California, though. That is true. It was California, so yeah. Can't stand it. <laughs> Didn't have a leg to stand on. That was a particularly nasty group of situations we discussed there. And all easily avoidable. Totally avoidable. 100% avoidable. What should we do if we're going to work on equipment, kids? Turn it off and make sure it can't be turned on again until we're done. And how do we do that? Lotto. Lockout, tagout. De-energize the equipment. Make sure it is locked out and nobody can turn the equipment back on except for the person working on it. And then put a tag on there that says, hey, don't turn this shit on. You know another really good Rolling Stone song? What's that? Bitch. Don't be a bitch. Turn off the switch. <laughs> for my co-hosts, Billy Bat, Bud Pettucker. I forgot my name. I'm Frank Bacon. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Employee Number One, the Industrial Accident Podcast. I said Tucker too, didn't I? It was Tugger. Nobody knows. Okay, fair enough. Is it Pud Tucker? No, it's Pud Tugger. Oh. I believe. (laughs) (laughs) Depends on the time of day. Did I use the wrong name? Pud Tucker is uh, after you uh, eat the omelet. What? That's another podcast. Bye, folks.